Welcome to Rowdy Southern Saturday. We're excited to roll out the same great show you've been enjoying for the past two years under this new name. Thank you for continuing to support us and our love for college football. Let's get rowdy. here we are all the way through the season championship week conference championships starting friday uh got a couple big games coming up obviously last weekend me chad and keesler made our way to statesboro georgia for the unarguably biggest game of the entire weekend <laughs> app state at georgia southern in paulson stadium home of the toughest home team to beat in college football guys i think it's safe to say we had a pretty dang good weekend didn't we probably the best return trip to Statesboro I've had. It was it was really fun. I'm glad you guys got to go down with me too. That really made it awesome. Going to the game, getting a good crew to go together. Dingus Friday night, Nats landing, doing all the Statesboro stuff, getting to watch some good Georgia Southern football. Great weekend. We met Cole Swindell Friday night. I oh, actually yeah. got to have a great, great conversation with Cole Swindell. Although I will say like I don't think that I can ever listen to she had me at Heads Carolina ever again because I think I heard it way too many times this weekend. Like, <laughs> So I go into this weekend, you know, we're going to go to Dingus McGee's. We're going to have a good time. We Friday night went way harder than I thought we would. Georgia Southern Band comes in. The cheerleaders come in. They passed out megaphones. Um, they played the fight song. They played a couple other songs. Just get everybody hyped up for the game. We got a couple Georgia Southern's going. It was, it was a great time. Um, so uh, we knew Cole Swindell was there. Somebody told us that while we were sitting in the booth. And, uh, and as we were leaving, I didn't realize this, but he was outside on the patio. I had no idea where he was. I, I like Cole Swindell. It would have been cool to you know get to meet him and get his autograph and all that. But I kind of figured you know he, he, he didn't want to have people surrounding him and whatnot. So I just kind of was letting him do his thing. Um, and then Drunk Chad stands up by the gate over on the, the outside patio of Dangus McGee's. And he just starts talking. He goes, I can't even remember. What, what did you even say? Like, how, how did you get his attention? I can't even remember. I actually wasn't even trying to get his attention. So we were I was, we were watching the Florida-Florida State game inside. And obviously, as a Florida fan, I was very frustrated. And now, I don't – I say I wasn't trying to get his attention. In my mind, I really was just having a conversation. I was having a very loud conversation. But I really wasn't intentionally trying to get him to come over. But I remember looking back at really anybody who would listen just because I was aggravated. And I was like, I hate being a Florida fan. And then I just remember he and I making eye contact and he just walks over. And I don't remember how the conversation started, but we started talking about the Falcons. We talked about the Braves. We started talking about it was a very quick conversation, mainly because I could tell that Well, mainly because I was really, <laughs> really inebriated. So he was trying and I could tell he was kind of getting annoyed. But Keys is the one who ruined it because Keys is back there taking a video of him. And our friend Leah goes, 
why are y'all videoing no him? chad then- that's not what happened I said, Chad, I just wanted to let you know, like, I thought, I thought you'd think this was cool, but I took a video of your conversation with, and it was very incognito, like, down here, and Chad goes, oh, you took a video of that? And I'm like, damn it, Chad. Like, <laughs> Wendell looks over, he's like, like, Matt, I yeah, was like, he, dude, that was literally just for you to watch was, when you were sober. He, he was not super happy about the fact that we got him on video <laughs> oh, having but, that conversation, which it wasn't even a bad conversation. What, what ended up happening afterwards, so our Uber picked us up after uh, we were outside at Dingus McGee's talking to Cole Swindell, and I asked the Uber, I say, hey, Cole Swindell's right over there, roll the windows down, and blast Heads Carolina as we're driving by. We already pissed him off. We might as well piss him off a little bit more. And, and we did. We blasted it, and we were supposed to turn left. And I told the Uber, I said, no, 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 just go right. We're not waiting at this light. I don't want him to even look at us. I just want us to drive right by him with Heads Carolina plant. And we blasted it, went back over to Blue Room. It ended up being a good time. We got to go to Blue Room, got to hang out in there, enjoyed the live bands and everything that was going on there. And I got Georgia Southern Rowdy. Coles Wendell, there's no chance you ever hear this, but if you do happen to hear this, I apologize for anything I may or may not have said in that inebriated <laughs> conversation. So, but hey, he agreed with me that the Falcons are ruining our draft picks. So that was good. It's good to know that the Atlanta Falcons make the make Cole Swindell as mad as they make the rest of us Falcons fans. But I think for me, I can close the book on going back anytime soon. That was good enough for me. But I'll I'll touch on that a little bit later. But the game itself, I remember walking down the bleachers in App State, hitting the big run on the sideline. And then we were sitting right there on the first row of what, the one yard line or about the goal line in the student section for the missed field goal. Paulson was lit. It was awesome. And we, we actually got to rush the field instead of, <laughs> instead of doing it as a student there, I waited to do it as an alumni. So that's a little weird, but great time, man. Overall Statesboro, Statesboro was fun. Matt, wish you could have been there, but they'd have looked at you like you were a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So. Oh, yeah, man, I'm ancient. Uh, I mean, it was it was like that whenever we went to – when me and Went went to Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah. I, I prefaced everything with I've been going here since you were like a child. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I would have definitely been ancient amongst the Georgia Southern crowd because I feel like they are even younger than the Alabama folk. So, uh, yeah, I not only would I – okay – I even mentioned this in the group chat. I was like, you know, if I would have gone to Statesboro, there's like a 90% chance I would have run into one of my former students and I would have had to buy him a beer and be like, hey, man, let's sit down. Let's chat about the Eagles. And, uh, you know, you're 21, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, that's just how it, that's, that's just how it goes, you know. But, no, it's, it, it was really cool to watch that game on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, with the lovely commentating, it, it was probably the like ESPN Plus picked their like B minus 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 announcers for that game. It was awful. Uh, it's been worse. I'll yeah, take I, it. I, I was about to say B minus minus is like A plus for ESPN Plus. <laughs> so I worked for the athletic department my senior year in the fall of 2019 until COVID happened in 2020. Those people are not assigned by ESPN. I know it's supposed to be unbiased, but unless it's changed, those people are Georgia Southern people who work in the booth to call the Georgia Southern ESPN Plus games. And I'm not, and I'm not sure if it changes because I'll be honest, I didn't watch Georgia Southern much on TV this year when they when they were on ESPN Plus. But from what I remember, when I worked in the athletic department for football, 
softball, baseball, basketball, the ESPN Plus people were Georgia Southern people. The video camera folks and the producers and everything were Georgia Southern folks because actually one of the kids that was a cameraman was a freshman this year. So, I mean, that's pretty good for his resume. They went around and gave the shout-outs to them, but it seemed like it wasn't like major national uh, commentators, but it was – they called it pretty fairly. I mean, they weren't, they didn't seem in favor of George Southern at all. In fact, there was times I would say that it felt like the opposite, but uh, great win for the Eagles this weekend going bowling. Uh, I'll be interested to see where, where they're going bowling. Uh, and that when all, when it all shakes out and who knows, maybe we could get a rowdy trip to a bowl game for the Eags, depending on whatever that game is. Let me just say one of the things that made me laugh the hardest is when we rushed the field. Chad's running around going, we're going to Montgomery. We're going to the Kmart.com Bowl. We're going to the Jollar General Bowl. Like just running around yelling random things like that is cracking me up. <laughs> and that, what makes that even funnier is if you know Chad, you know that he always poops on that. Like he kind of craps <laughs> on the idea of going to the Camilla Bowl. So the fact that the fact that he rushed the field and says that makes that 10 times better. <laughs> For those of you – who never heard me on the early, early way back episodes. It is of my opinion that Georgia Southern should have never left the FCS. And I, and I firmly stand by the fact that I think an FCS national championship is far more meaningful and important than going to a bowl game. Not, I mean, my hundreds of miles away versus some school from the Mac to go seven and six. That's my opinion. I firmly believe if we would have beat App State in a first-round playoff game, which this week was the first round of the FCS playoffs, it would have been even better for us to rush the field and move on for a chance to have a national championship. That's just my take, and I'll, I'll leave it at that, but I will I will come back to that later in my, in my cut them off, so just stay patient. So while y'all were in Statesboro, noon kickoff, Michigan-Ohio State is going on. How did y'all watch this game? Are y'all at Dingus? Are y'all at Nats? Where, what was the game plan? Where did y'all consume one of the more surprising games of the year upsets? Uh, we were still recovering. <laughs> we were we watching did. that from the hotel room. We, did, there, we didn't leave. We didn't even really get up until I think me and um, me and Chad went down and had breakfast, probably around eight o'clock or so, maybe eight thirty. Yeah. Me, me and Wick got up normal time, but Keith, Keith slept. Oh, Keith slept in. But me and Chad were talking, and um, Chad was like, so, like, do you want to go ahead and go to Dingus, or you want to go anywhere? And I was like, why don't we just hang until halftime of the first games? Like, I, I'm really tired. I'm down just to chill out and have some water. Keys got and went and hang out with some friends. Uh, that's some brunch thing. And, uh, and me and Chad hung out in the hotel till halftime of the Michigan-Ohio State game. Granted, I think we watched more of the Georgia-Georgia Tech game in the first half because Georgia Tech was playing Georgia really close. Uh, I think it was 10-7 to 7 at halftime. Georgia looked like they couldn't do anything on them until the second half. But uh, we did watch the Michigan and uh, Ohio State game, too, as well as the Clemson-South Carolina game and bounced around. And then me and Chad went to meet up with two of my good friends at Bites, um, which is now massive. I don't know if you've been to Statesboro recently and seen the new Bites bar building they have. Bites in the Borough, I think is what it's called now. Yeah, and, it's over there. It's uh, across from Copper Beach. Yeah, it's where it? Fuzzy's yeah. Tacos used to be. They stuck us in the corner, so we really couldn't even see the TVs very well. But um, but uh, we really didn't like get to sit down and drink beer and watch games until we left there. I went to Dingus McGee's. I think both of them ended up going to Blue Room for 
Um, $10 mimosas, is that right? $10 cover, free mimosas, all you can drink. Yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. I'll take it. But uh, and I'll say for myself, I was pretty shocked. Uh, I, uh, I thought Ohio State would win that game pretty easily. Um, playing in Columbus, Ohio, too. Um, I thought the matchup this year was there, especially with uh, Michigan's injuries. I did not think that um, Edwards would play um, in that game. He's been hurt pretty much the entire season. Came in, went for over 250 yards of total offense. The dude went absolutely ballistic. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, too. I, I think he had his best game passing. I've seen him have um, as a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, definitely think it was the right decision to start him over Cade McNamara. Uh, I think that was game two on. So when he got beat out, Cade McNamara came out today and announced he's transferring as well. Uh, Michigan, I mean, they look really good coming down the stretch. Uh, looking what they did on offense, I think they definitely have what it takes to win a national championship this year. Um, we'll see how they do against Purdue. But, I mean, with the way things are going to shake out, I, I think Michigan absolutely is, if not number one, they're definitely number two. I'll admit I was not, and you guys can go back and listen to our picks on the podcast last week. Um, I was not expecting Michigan to do that. The way that Michigan took over in the second half and just moved the ball at will and shoved Ohio State around up front was was really surprising. And I just I wasn't expecting it. I thought it, with it being in Columbus, I thought CJ Stroud being kind of in the Heisman contender race. And like I like I said, especially with Blake Corum being limited, but man, Michigan, Michigan looks like Michigan is on a mission. And that's a lot of M's I just said right there. But Michigan is on a mission. They look like they want to face Georgia again. They look like they're far more of a well-oiled machine. And everybody kind of called into question if Michigan could be the team that they were all year up to that point because of the competition they played and if they can shut Ohio State's offense down. And in the second half, they did that. Um, you know, it, it was just – it was a it, it was a dominant performance and one that I did not – expect to see it all I I really thought Ohio State was the only team that I thought was a legitimate contender to Georgia for the national championship coming into the week with the way the playoff top four sat now I kind of shift that focus back to Michigan because if Michigan takes care of what they need to do this week against Purdue they move on to the college football playoff Michigan's gonna want Georgia and and they're gonna want to take back that deflating defeat in Miami last year and yeah it, it I just I, I'm shocked I, I'm kind of at a loss for words yeah it was a uh it was definitely a game I didn't see it coming that way uh the way that it played out with Ohio State really just kind of dropping the ball against Michigan and honestly it was a handful of plays like Ohio State didn't play terribly overall I know this is, it sounds kind of weird but they had like five busted coverages that was really the difference in uh, in that game. And early on, they really loaded the box, stacked eight in there, and they were like, all right, J.J. McCarthy, you're going to beat us with the deep ball, and you're not going to be able to do it. They didn't think that Michigan had the weapons outside or that J.J. McCarthy had the deep ball accuracy to do it. And he kind of carved them up a little bit and really made Ohio State get out of that load in the box, eight, uh, stacking eight, and play a little bit different. And then they were able to establish the run a little bit more but I want to say I saw a I saw a crazy stat on Twitter somewhere, and it was like Ohio uh, Michigan on five plays had 180 yards of offense, and then every other play I don't remember however many snaps it was it was like 74 other plays was 180 yards of offense. So it was like really just a handful of plays that were the difference in that game. And if you're Ohio State, 
you got to count. You've got this is like a twofold thing. Like a lot of Ohio State fans are like, fire Ryan Day. Um, and then other Ohio State fans, I feel like I, you've got to go to the drawing board. They're they're saying like, oh, we should still be in. We lost to Michigan. Uh, you're grasping for straws now, and your fate lies within USC, uh, who really, in my opinion, should be the four seed right now. Michigan or Ohio State should be on the outside looking in because it's not just a loss. Like everybody loses a game or maybe two games. Like USC lost by one on the road in Salt Lake City, Utah. Ohio State got blitzed by 22 at home by Michigan. Like that, you can't you can't claim like oh road game fluke victory anything. Like, I mean that that was a beatdown, beatdown I didn't see coming. Uh, shout out to Michigan. I still feel like them as a matchup with Georgia is a terrible matchup for Michigan. I don't think that they match up well with what Georgia does well defensively um, and offensively. Stetson Bennett is going to cook against that team because Stetson Bennett will play terrible against Kentucky and Georgia Tech, but put him in a game that matters and he plays lights out. And in the Georgia-Michigan game from last year, that's exactly what happened. Uh, Michigan couldn't establish the run. Uh, Georgia pretty much forced them into a passing game, and Cade McNamara couldn't throw the ball. I think the biggest difference this year is J.J. McCarthy can throw the freaking ball. They they haven't needed him to all season until this game. But this game, they knew they were going to have to come in, and he was going to have to stretch the defense out. And he did that. I mean, they had explosive plays all night. I think he threw for it's like 280 or 270-something. And, uh, and and he played really well. I mean, I, I watched pretty much the entire game. Obviously, I had it on my phone. I had it up on the TV at Bytes. So um, it wasn't, you know, a perfect analysis. But I uh, I saw a lot of the good things he did. I saw what Edwards did as well, who I, I think, if given the right opportunities, he might be the best player in the country. I mean, if he started the season from game one, he might be the Heisman. Um, just the way he is. I mean, the way he was last year, too. Same deal. Super, super good player. Um, I think the biggest challenge for Ohio State now they got to wait on uh, USC. They got to wait on TCU. I think TCU is more likely to lose to Kansas State this weekend than USC losing to Utah. And if it's me, if I'm voting in the committee chair, um, I'm putting in one loss Ohio State over one loss TCU. I think Ohio State. If you put those two teams on a neutral site field, I think Ohio State beats TCU, and I think Ohio State beats USC. USC with a conference championship, they deserve to be in over Ohio State. They have a pretty good resume. The Pac-12 wasn't that bad this year. Um, I couldn't see them leaving them out as a conference champion. Um, but if you're TCU, you don't win your conference. You have the one loss to Kansas State, even though it's a team you've already beaten. Um, and I think TCU absolutely deserves a shot to play for a national championship. If it's between TCU and Ohio State, I, in my opinion, you got to go Ohio State. I'm actually going to disagree with you on that, Wit, And I'm going to say something that a lot of people are not going to want to hear. So, I completely agree with what Matt said about Ohio State. I mean, they only have one loss. So, I think that the dis- – and we'll, and we'll see this in the rankings on Tuesday night tomorrow. I think Ohio State's still in the playoff discussion. But if TCU loses this weekend, and if you want my opinion, I, I, I again, what I think you're right. I think TCU is the most likely team to lose this weekend because it's very hard to beat a team twice. I think if TCU loses – Michigan and Georgia are locks. They can both lose this week. I think even a loss to Purdue, you know, even if it was possible for Michigan, you know, they're in. Georgia losing to LSU, they're in. You know, that that's the that's the good thing about the regular season in college football is your regular season means so much that it rewards you 
by virtually locking you into the playoff because of how dominant they were. I think if TCU loses, I think Alabama is the more deserving team than T- than um, Ohio State. If TCU loses, I think TCU is out because even as competitive as the Big 12 has been this year, they beat up on each other so much that there's no real marquee win, and TCU has had to come back against Kansas State the first time. They had to win a thriller against Baylor, and, and, and they've played great, and they've been exciting. The TCU, they're really their only dominant win was Oklahoma, and Oklahoma ended up 6-6. Six and six. So I think if you're going to go resume-wise and TCU loses, I think Bama's got to go. I mean, Bama has flaws, but Ohio State has flaws. Matt's smiling down there. I, I don't think there's a – I don't – I mean, okay, if you if it came down to what you're saying, and what you're saying is one loss TCU, one loss Ohio State, two loss Alabama, two loss Tennessee, we'll, we'll throw them in there. That's where there's going to be the hang-up is – and I know Hendon Hooker's hurt now, and he's done for the year, so that might be that's the the crutch that the committee could lean on if that were to happen. But I disagree, man. I think you got to keep TCU in there it, it, as a one loss team because it to me what it comes down to is if if you look at strength of schedule, uh, TCU actually has a better strength of schedule than any of the other three schools that are in the top four based off of what we're talking about. If we're saying Georgia one, Michigan two. Uh, TCU three, USC four. Uh, TCU has the best strength of schedule out of those four teams. Now that doesn't necessarily mean their strength of record is is as strong, but they do have the strongest strength strongest strength of schedule out of those schools at thirty five in the country. Um, for noteworthiness, Bama is uh, twenty seven ahead of that at number eight on strength of schedule. Now, would I love to see Alabama backdoor their way into this thing somehow? Sure, but I think the I, I think the committee's been very clear in this for the most part that Alabama's not getting in as a two loss team. There's I don't see any way that it happens. Even if USC loses and TCU loses, I think and it comes down to Ohio State and Alabama. The one argument I would make on this behalf of Alabama is is one 22-point loss at home better than two losses by a combined four points, both in hostile road environments? Yes, yes, and that's the point that I was going to make. I, I, and again, Ohio State and Alabama both have their flaws, but if you're Ohio State, you cannot get boat raced by Michigan at home. And I think that's the issue. Like last year, if Ohio State had that one loss and we were in this same situation in 2021, it was a tighter game in Ann Arbor. And you were on the road in the snow. It was loud. I think last year you could have made a better case. But this year, I don't think your case is near as strong because they came into your building on a 60-degree day. You know, so the weather wasn't a factor. And they just – they beat you. They beat you over the top. They beat you at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Ohio State just got outmanned, period. And Alabama lost two games on the road in hostile environments. One was at night, and the other one was a 330 game on CBS. And they lost by a combined four points. 
and they very could and they very easily could have won both of those games. And now I understand the logic of what we've talked about before on the show, where we said Alabama could be twelve and zero, but Alabama could also be seven and five. I get that, but I think, especially if you're comparing Ohio State to Alabama, that two losses by a combined four points to teams that at one point were both in the top five is a lot better than one boat racing at home. And for TCU, I know I said last week the Big 12 has been ultra competitive, but I just don't see a marquee win on TCU's schedule. Texas on the road, maybe. I mean, the Big 12, it was very competitive all year, but then that's in wherein the issue lies with your screens of schedule because if everyone's record keeps getting worse because you're beating each other up, it brings you down because Baylor's six and six. You had to kick a field goal at the last second. Texas is eight and four. I mean, you won by seven. Kansas State's nine and three. You got to play them again, but they were down big and had to come back. So I think if TCU loses this weekend, they're out. I mean, they're out. They don't have the marquee win to keep them in. Uh, so I want to bring up what happened today. Hugh Freeze gets hired at Auburn. Um, he's coming in. Auburn Twitter is absolutely ballistic. Uh, they missed out on Lane Kiffin. We talked last week. Lane Kiffin had the tweets going back and forth with the Mississippi State reporter. Uh, was it John Rothstein? Was that his name? John Sokolov. Sokolov, something like that, whatever. Some guy that nobody knows. And uh, and so Lane's going back and forth with him. Everybody thought Lane's going to Auburn. Uh, turn around, Lane signs an extension with Ole Miss. Hugh Freeze to Auburn was trending. Um, pretty much all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Turnaround, beginning of the day today, yes, uh, most of the day yesterday, Auburn fans talking about, no, we can't have Hugh Freeze. We can't have a guy like this. This is not Auburn culture. This is not Alabama. We don't hire bad people as coaches. Like Alabama's, in my opinion, has ever hired a bad person as a coach. I don't think they have. Um, so I I, it's, you know, it's, it's Auburn, whatever. Um, so that's, that's, what's been going on. And in, in the end of the day, they end up hiring Hugh Freeze anyway. Uh, they keep Cadillac Williams on staff. All right. Give it to me, Matt. Well, here's the thing, man. And we, we all said this, uh, from the get go that, that Hugh Freeze should have been their number one target and, and he really should have been. And by all accounts, Auburn is going to come out and say that Hugh Freeze was their number one target. I'm calling BS on that. Uh, you don't have. Literally two of the most credible Ole Miss sources that I follow. I was watching on Tuesday morning. They do a live podcast every morning, and I didn't have school last week, so I'm watching watching this podcast live. And you, both of them, the entire hour and a half episode was, who do you bring in to replace Lane Kiffin? Who are you throwing money at to make them come down here to Ole Miss? Because you're throwing blue blood money around with $9 million dollars. And you've got $10 million in NIL. You've got blue blood money in the bank. Who do you go get? And they, the guy that brought that up was an Auburn beat writer and has a podcast with one of Auburn's longest tenured beat writers, Jay Tate. And they both said, yeah, Lane Kiffin to Auburn is very real. It's happening. Auburn is moving towards finalizing a deal. I think at the 11th hour lane and everyone's going to have an opinion. Who knows what really happened? We're never going to get the real story of what happened uh, because no one wants it to find out. There'll be a bunch of stories out there. Everyone's going to throw opinion in there. My personal opinion is Lane Kiffin at the 11th hour said, Oh, I don't know. I think I've got a sweet deal here at Ole Miss. It's a pretty good marriage. They give me autonomy. I have everything that I need. Kind of all the stuff that I've said before. 
And, you know, on top of that, kids want to be there in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in Oxford, Mississippi? Oxford, Mississippi is a million times better than Auburn, Alabama. Um, but nonetheless, they hire Hugh Freeze. And look, Auburn Twitter, I think it's hilarious because they're barn burning right now. And they're like, oh, God, you have half the fan base that's, you know, all on board with it and half the fan base that isn't. It's going to be the same way through his entire tenure because there's going to be a year where he's going to lose the week leading into the Iron Bowl and then beat like against Louisiana Monroe and then turn around and beat Alabama. And Auburn is going to go from wanting him fired to putting a statue of him in the middle of Toomer's Corner uh, in a week because that's what Auburn people do. And it's great, but Hugh Freeze, good hire. Hilarious that they're going to say and twist this that he was their number one the whole time when we all know that he wasn't. Lane Kiffin was their number one. They didn't get him, and it was bad. I mean, the fact that they waited until today to announce a hire is a bad look for that program. Yeah, I mean, I even talked to some sources I have close to Auburn as well. Um, They were under the impression, just talking to people that are closer than those people are, that Lane Kiffin had signed already. Um, going into, I think they said he signed on last Tuesday, and uh, and I, I obviously that was misinformation given that he did not end up as the head coach of Auburn. But they, what they had talked about was that Hugh Freeze was well known to be the second choice at Auburn. Like everybody in the Auburn community, everybody like all the boosters, all the all the board members that were going through this hiring process, everybody said. Lane Kiffin's our guy. Hugh Freeze is our number two, and Hugh Freeze knew that. They told him from the beginning. We want Lane Kiffin. We're trying to get the money right for him to come over. Uh, we're trying to work it out with them. We have a couple of things in play. Um, if it works out, we're taking Lane Kiffin. If not, you're our first call. And I think Lane Kiffin, based on just people what I've talked to, come Friday um, after the Egg Bowl um, came out and said, "Look, the money's the money is was where it needed to be with Oxford. Um, it's not the situation's not right at Auburn. I'm not going." And uh, and Hugh Freeze was told that he had the job uh, over the weekend. And then come Saturday, Sunday, when the announcement came out that Hugh Freeze was finalizing the deal, um, things were being, you know, dotted lines, signed, whatever, checked off, uh, the Auburn fan base exploded. And, they, you know, everybody was coming after him saying, this isn't the right guy. This guy's got a lot of off-the-field issues we don't want to deal with. He doesn't seem like a program builder. Um, even though he's built up every program he's gone to and was is a winner at every program he's gone to. Um, but they didn't like him. They wanted Cadillac Williams. They wanted somebody who had better integrity, as they said. Um, and then come today, I think at the end of the day, they were like, we're not going to get anybody better. So this this has to be our hire. So it's funny because if they would have just gone with Hugh Freeze from the beginning and not ever even had all the stuff on Twitter that they had go on, if they hadn't, hadn't come out talking about Lane Kiffin, going after Lane, everything that happened there, Hugh Freeze would have been a great hire. Um, but the fan base wasn't complaining about it. It would have been perfect. Uh, but now it kind of feels like they're backtracking. It's it's a, this is the best we can do hire, kind of like how Brian Harson was last year. When in reality, this is actually, in my opinion, a really, really, really good hire for Auburn. I think he's a great fit. I think he's done well at every program he's ever been to. And he's one of three coaches in college football to be Nick Saban more than one time. There's only three of them, um, and that's him, Dabo Sweeney, and Gus Malzahn, who's coaching at UCF now. He, uh, he's, I, I think he's a perfect fit. I think he's going to do good things, and um, I'm, I'm happy for Auburn. Um, as a Georgia fan, it doesn't terrify me 
which is also a good thing for me. But uh, I think if given the proper resources, if the Auburn boosters let him do what he needs to do, and I think Hugh Freeze is a guy that knows what needs to be done to build a correct, a uh, successful program. Um, I think Auburn could get right back up there and compete for national championships again. I'll say this. He had the number one recruiting class at Ole Miss before there was any NIL or anything like that. He had the number one recruiting class in the country. Now, there wow. were some illegal things that were going on there, but everybody was doing those same illegal things. There was, there was no NIL, but there was uh, other things. <laughs> yeah, and that – look, I think you guys both make great points, but I'll start off and say this. Auburn – I. Auburn cannot find a way to get out of their own way. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, look, Cadillac Williams brought some life to the program, and you were competitive at the end of the year. That's great. Cadillac Williams is an Auburn man. That's great. I love it. I, I mean, I was really happy for them because, I mean, me being a football fan in general, I don't want to see a team quit and just be completely obliterated down the stretch the rest of the way. I mean, that's not fun for anybody. I mean, I, I personally feel bad for the players at Auburn that had to go through all they had to go through from the moment Brian Harson was fired and these boosters at Auburn being the way that they are, you know, just did Auburn things. Um, if you want my opinion on the hire, Matt said it already. We all said for Hugh Freeze from the beginning. We said Hugh Freeze needed to be the guy. I think it's been how many years? Because this is Lane Kiffin's third year. Matt Luke was there for three years at Ole Miss. So it's been six years since all that stuff happened at Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze. Okay, people change. People make mistakes. You know, it's time to move on and give the man another chance. I mean, the man was incredibly successful in his time at Liberty. Uh, you know, in 2020, they were a fun team to watch. And, I, you know, I get that the last three weeks they just kind of collapsed after beating Arkansas. I mean, that sucks to end the year the way they ended it. But it's hard to – I mean, I, it was probably hard for his team to keep their focus in the same way it was – I think it was hard for Ole Miss to keep their focus with all the conversation going around going on around the program. But the fact of the matter is, is Hugh Freeze can recruit. Hugh Freeze has won everywhere he's been. Now, he has laid some duds. I get it. I get it. I mean, if anything, like I just said, the past three weeks after his big win against Arkansas – was was an example of that. Matt said it a couple weeks ago. At Ole Miss, he won a big game turnaround and lost to Memphis. I mean, Hugh Freeze will do that. But Hugh Freeze, if I'm going to grade this higher personally, I'm going to give it an A. I'm going to give it an A because you've got a guy with SEC experience who just went to Liberty to refine himself and in four years was 34 and 13 at an FBS independent with not much football history who's a private Christian institution who's already limited in recruiting and hurts your chance to get athletes. And to do what he did there is extremely impressive. He's a proven coach in this conference. He knows the area. He's from Mississippi. He's got the ties to Ole Miss already from when he was the coach there. He's the coach at Arkansas State. He's got ties into Arkansas. Look, Hugh Freeze, regardless of what your opinion is of him off the field and the issues that went on, this is the best hire Auburn could have made. Lane Kiffin was never going to be the kind of fit that Hugh Freeze is going to be. And Matt nailed it the past couple of weeks with the things that Matt has been saying. Like, Hugh Freeze is a Southern boy. He'll go do all these duck hunts and appearances, and he'll do them willingly, and he'll be an Auburn man and a part of the Auburn family. He'll do it. He will do it. Lane Kiffin was never going to do that. 
Lane Kiffin likes to be Lane Kiffin. And Auburn kind of puts a leash on their coaches with their personalities and with the things that, that they want because of their whole cultish vibe of our boosters want to be in control and we want to have the final say and this and that and the other. And Hugh Freeze is the man to do that because Hugh Freeze gets it. And I'm not saying that Lane Kiffin doesn't, but the difference is is that Lane Kiffin can be Old Miss. He can run Old Miss. Hugh Freeze will let Auburn run him to an extent. And that's what Auburn that's what Auburn in reality wants for the people behind the scenes. So this is a great hire. You know, off the field, like I said, off the field issues, take them and throw them in the trash. In my opinion, it's been six years. It's time to get over it. And I think his four years at Liberty says enough to him to refine your opinion of him. And on the field and in recruiting, who else were you going to get? Because after you said that you were going to go get Lane Kiffin and it didn't work out, and then you say you're going to go get Hugh Freeze and some people get all up in arms about it because they're high and mighty, who are you going to go get then? Were people going to be happy with Jamie Chadwell? I mean, really? And his cat. And after you float Na- Lane Kiffin's name out there, all these people call him for Cadillac Williams. If you thought you were going to get Lane Kiffin, what about Cadillac Williams? Did you think was going to be as as splashy as Lane Kiffin was going to be? It wasn't. But it's, the reality is, you cannot satisfy Auburn fans and boosters. You can't do it. And you know, it's an A. It's an A plus hire. Hugh Freeze. In my opinion, he's not the best hire of the four P5 coaches that we've seen hired in the past 48 hours. In my opinion, I think that's Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. But if we're just talking about this specific right here, this is who we all thought Auburn should have went and got from the get-go. In time, I think they're going to be really competitive. And I think they'll be competitive next year. I think Auburn's, I think Auburn's season can be 6-6, six 7-5, and six, and maybe 8-4. and four if they hit the portal hard and they recruit hard enough, because Hugh Freeze is a good enough X and O's guy to turn it around immediately. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good hire. And Chad, to what you were saying earlier, um, I think the only better coaches they could have gotten in this coaching carousel would have been Luke Fickle, who ended up going to Wisconsin, or if they ended up pulling Dabo from Clemson, which, I mean, the way that Clemson's been these past couple years, um, after the loss to South Carolina this year, having another two-loss season, um, they're, they're not on a great trajectory either. So Hugh Freeze, I think, ended up being the perfect hire. I do think Luke Fickle to Wisconsin is actually a better hire as well. Um, I think the fit might be a little bit better for Hugh Freeze to Auburn, besides the fact that Auburn fans all hate him right now for some reason. Uh, but Luke Fickle has proven he can uh, build a program up. Wisconsin just wasn't getting it done with Jim Leonard this year. Uh, obviously, Paul Chris getting fired beginning of the season. Um, I think Luke Fickle coming in is going to be a really, really good fit for what Wisconsin um, needs to change about their football team. And uh, and I think he uh, he goes in the transfer portal, brings in the right players. Hopefully we don't see Graham Mertz play anymore because, man, that guy's just absolutely terrible. And uh, and uh, they can get it figured out. This might not be the Wisconsin of old that has the solid running backs, but I could see some good defenses sticking around and uh, maybe a little bit more explosive offenses and Wisconsin competing for Big Ten titles. Yeah, if Luke Fickle can get another quarterback like Russell Wilson to come in there at Wisconsin, they're going to be dangerous in the Big Ten. And meanwhile, Kurt Ferentz still has a job at at the University of Iowa. Uh, so while while a lot of the Big Ten has gotten better, um, 
Iowa has maintained that they're going to stay mediocre. And look, in this age of NIL, with Nebraska gets Matt Rule, uh, another great hire in my opinion. That was a guy that I thought Ole Miss should throw the throw the pile of money to if uh, Lane Kiffin were to decide to move on to Auburn. Uh, I think Matt Rule is a great hire for Nebraska. Uh, they're paying him a boatload of money, and he's got a boatload of money coming in from the Panthers. That's a guy that there's nothing better. There's got to be no greater feeling than getting to coach ball and knowing that no matter what happens, you're a multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah, that that's a great point about Iowa. I mean, the rest of the Big Ten West, and I know that the Big Ten West was was completely – just a dumpster fire this year because Wisconsin and Iowa and Nebraska didn't hold up the end of the bargain that the Big Ten needs them to carry. But if you look at all the coaches in the Big Ten West, Brett Bielema has got Illinois on the rise. Jeff Brom has got Purdue in the Big Ten championship. Uh, you know, P.J. Fleck, say what you will about P.J. Fleck, but P.J. Fleck can get Minnesota to a solid eight, nine wins every year and be competitive. Matt Rule and Luke Fickle, those two hires coming to Nebraska and Wisconsin just completely changed the game in the Big Ten West. And Iowa, Kirk Ferentz has got to go. Uh, you know, it's time for Kirk. It's time for Iowa to come to Kirk Ferentz and say, "Listen, thank you for getting the program to the heights that we've gotten for all these years, but your refusal to change the offense because you choose nepotism and your son, your refusal to do all these things and adapt, they're going to get left behind in the Big Ten West. And I mean, they're going to get left behind. The fact that Illinois has already surpassed them is a problem." I mean, that is an issue that – I mean, Brett Bielema is building up Illinois, and there's nothing attractive about Iowa right now. And if and if you want my opinion, like I just said a few minutes ago, Luke Fickle to Wisconsin, that's a grand slam. Absolute grand slam for a guy who's going to go into Wisconsin and give them everything that they've ever needed. Wisconsin is not about to be corn-fed, power football, run it down your throat anymore. Wisconsin is about to go out and recruit speed. Luke Fickle is going to dip down into the state of Ohio and get all those kids with the ties that he's got already. I bet you he's going to bring some solid kids with him from Cincinnati. You know, uh, Matt Rule to Nebraska, I think that's a solid hire. I mean, I'm going to give that an A as well. If I, of the four Power Five hires that happened this weekend, I'm giving three of them an A. Auburn, Nebraska, and Wisconsin, all A's. But I've got to ride with Wisconsin as being the best hire because Wisconsin, to me, needed a change in the viewership of that program. And Jim Leonard, he's been there for years, and, and God bless him. He loves Wisconsin football. The defenses at Wisconsin have been great. But Wisconsin has been so close to being there. They'll win nine or ten games, and then they'll lose a game that they shouldn't lose go to the Big Ten Championship, and then they get out-athleted by Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State. They just don't have the athletes. Luke Fickle is going to get those athletes. Wisconsin, if they can keep the same shutdown defenses that they have and Luke Fickle brings in a lot of speed on offense, Wisconsin is going to rule the Big Ten West. Rule it. Because that fan base and that school has a desire. That's one of the best and most underrated to me jobs in America and it just got elevated to a very high extent the only question is now if Ryan Day ever leaves Ohio State you have to worry about Luke Fickle getting pulled away but that's for a later date 
Chad, I completely agree with you. Nebraska, honestly, with the fan base, with what they're going to do with resources, uh, format rule, I think that is a great, great job to get. I think Mac Rule is going to do a really good job. Um, the reason I agree with you that Luke Fickle to Wisconsin is a better hire is because Wisconsin doesn't have to do as much to be back on top as Nebraska does. Nebraska's got a lot more room to uh, to grow um, than Wisconsin does. Wisconsin has the players. Luke Fickle's going to come in. I think he's going to have immediate success. I think he wins 10 games next year. Matt Rule, give him a year, give him uh, maybe a year and a half or so. He's going to have them back up there. I think in three years, these two are playing for the SEC or SEC. For the Big Ten West, uh, year in and year out. But uh, either way, running out of time. Let's go ahead and move on to our pouring one out, cut them off. Matt, who you pouring one out for? You know, I'm pouring one out for something that Chad alluded to earlier, and that is hope. The only thing that we can live on right now as uh, fans of university and, and at the beautiful university in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, hope that TCU loses and USC loses and that there's complete and utter chaos and there has to be a debate between Alabama, who has two losses, Ohio State's one loss, and TCU's one loss, because I think that there would be an elephant in the room that one loss was much worse than the others, pun intended, by the way. Uh, and that would be that, you know, Ohio State has a 22-point loss. So I'm holding on for hope for that. And also, yesterday, Trevor Lawrence broke the curse. Jacksonville Jaguars, when losing by seven points in the fourth quarter, never won a football game. The history of their franchise, Trevor Lawrence, who is suddenly in the month of November, been living up to the hype that lived around him, leads the Jags to their first victory. They are now, in, in that situation, they are now 1-183 and when losing by seven <laughs> points in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Hey, in thanks, the fourth thanks to a ghost second foot down in the end zone, Mr. Madden. All I can say is that there's no greater feeling than having hope. And uh, But Trevor Lawrence has been great in the month of November on a serious note. Uh, he's first in QBR, second in completion percentage, and second in touchdowns. He had six touchdowns, one pick so far. So trending up for Trevor. Uh, really glad to see it. And I am cutting off Cal Colleges. Uh, as the late, great Bear Bryant once said, sure, I'd love to beat Notre Dame, but there's nothing more important than being that, beating that Cal College on the other side of the state. Uh, yet again, Alabama shoves that Cal College into the barn that it belongs in. Uh, Auburn gets smoked, and I don't care what Chad says. It's fun whenever Auburn is down. I don't care who they are. It never matters. And uh, I'm also cutting off Mississippi State because they're a Cal College in Mississippi, and I hate them, and that's that. So I'm going to small pour one out uh, real quick, do a small pour one out for Matt just because of how much I respect Matt for being a Jaguars fan his whole life and continuing to put himself through that pain, the same pain that I put myself through in being an Atlanta Falcons fan. But we'll leave that there. So Matt, small pour one out for you because I know being a Jags fan is hard. Uh, my real pour one out is going to come for Bullock County, Georgia. Bullock County, Georgia – Man, we love you. And I think I can speak for Keys and Wit and Matt, whose mom actually still lives in Bullock County, Georgia. Shout out, Matt's mom. Um, we love it. Great weekend in, in Bullock County, a.k.a. Statesboro, a.k.a. Georgia Southern University. Um, I had a fantastic weekend. It was absolutely fun to be back and, and get to go to the Blue Room and get to see so many 
beautiful, beautiful young faces uh, just wearing Georgia Southern stuff. Uh, the atmosphere in Statesboro, I will have to admit, for it to be Thanksgiving break, the student section and, frankly, the entire stadium, I think I looked at the attendance and it was about 18,000, absolutely showed out. Dingus was packed. The Blue Room was packed. It was such a great weekend to be back in Bullock County. And I must admit something. Earlier on the show, I kind of briefly mentioned that I firmly believe that Georgia Southern should still be in the FCS playing for national championships. I stand by that statement. And there's been a longstanding argument with amongst me and all of, you know, our little friend group here uh, with Rowdy Southern Saturdays. And that includes Lando, who used to be on the show, and some people who used to be who are outside of the show that I don't love Georgia Southern. And I would just like to say, from my experience at Paulson this weekend, to see the way that that crowd was for a rivalry that's deeper than hate and to see the way that our university reacted and the way that we rushed the field and the way we showed out for what is honestly, in my opinion, the best rivalry in the group of five. My love for Georgia Southern University was expanded into the millions this weekend. I love it. I absolutely loved it. I was very proud to be an Eagle this weekend. So pour one out for Bullock County and Georgia Southern University. We love you. We always will. And I'm cutting off age and aging because <laughs> as much fun as me, Keys, and Witt had this weekend, um, there was a couple times having conversations with <laughs> – with, well, not even just having conversations with females at the bar this weekend, but just having conversations in general with anybody this weekend, really, like, I felt like a dinosaur. Like, I'm 25 years old, and for us to only be, what, three years removed from living in Statesboro and being in school, like, I literally felt like I was 100. You know, me and Keys took a picture with a couple of Keys' friends that I met this weekend, and I believe they're both 21 or 22 but they're they're seniors and i mean we sent the picture in the group me and matt types back and he goes you guys both look like you're about 45 <laughs> yeah thanks a lot that's about how i felt all weekend if i'm being completely honest i still had a great time but man it it sucks to age and it sucks to realize that you know even at 25 you can't go back to college because they'll look at you like you're 100 years old so Cutting off aging, and Matt, I guess this is how you feel all the time. <laughs> I would like to add an aside to that. Whenever I was a, a, a high schooler, Corey Smith's song 21 always had like a great – it always was like a, a feeling of like, oh, yeah, I love this song. Like I, I've, I, I totally feel it. I want to be 21 so bad. And then like the original version, he says, now I'm only 26, feeling more like 43, and I'll be damned if that ain't the most true line in the world. The first time or one of the few times like when you walk back onto your to any college campus and not just the one that you graduated from, uh, but any college campus to walk on that onto that campus at 26 and up, you immediately gain 17 years of life and a mild lower back problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> to say one more thing based off that, I mean – I remember Witt looking at me one time at Blue Room Saturday night and going, I told a girl I was 26 and she looked at me sideways. And <laughs> God, if I didn't feel like every person that I walked by Saturday, I mean, was looking at me like, 
I had been at Georgia Southern for 140 years. Like, I felt like they were looking at me going, are you here to pick up your daughter and take her back to Atlanta or something? Like, what in God's name are you doing here? But I'm obviously over-exaggerating a little bit, but cutting off age because, man, it's only been three years, but it feels like it's been 30. With, who are you pouring one out for? Uh, so I've actually changed my pour one out three times since we've been sitting here. I just changed it again and uh, as you were talking. Uh, I am pouring one out for Dingus McGee's. I wrote down Blue Room, but I meant Dingus McGee's. <laughs> After Chad made him feel bad, he's now going to go to Dingus McGee's. Exactly. So Dingus <laughs> McGee's. For those of you who don't know, we talk about on the show all the time. That's my favorite place on the face of the earth. Um, they really pissed me off because they didn't open till 7 Friday night. Couldn't get the food. Yeah, so we couldn't. And they ended up having happy hour food. So we really should have wait, waited till 7 to eat, which I'm kind of mad at myself. That wasn't that. on their side. So cutting off myself. But Dingus McGee's didn't, didn't open up till 7 p.m. We had to go to Nat's Landing, which they had this new rooftop patio thing built. Super, super cool. Um, but they didn't have enough TVs. It wasn't, you know, the atmosphere wasn't great. There wasn't that many people there. So, of course, we go to Dingus McGee's. And I'm going in there going, you know, I'm 26 years old, feeling like how Matt says. I feel like I'm 47. And uh, I'm walking over, walking into the bar, I check my ID. You know, they pay the cover, whatever. You get a, you get a seat. And I'm like, all right, you know, I guess I'll go for the old-time favorite, the Bud Light beer pitcher. And, uh, of course, for me... I had completely forgotten about this. Dingus McGee's has the best Bud Light pitcher on the face of the earth. And I don't know why it's different than anywhere else I've ever been to. I don't know if just the they line the kegs that they pour it from with like magic dust or, or golden golden god power. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no clue. Either way, it's delicious. Honestly, it's probably the sulfur. <laughs> we ended up sitting down with App State fans at our table, going back and forth, pouring them a couple beers. Uh, Chad was over there, you know. He's like, "Welcome to Statesboro, Georgia, where like we hope you guys feel welcomed here." I'm over here going, "Your football team sucks." Like, I'll, I'll be as nice as possible to you. I'll pour you a couple beers. He goes, but you better go back to that hellhole you guys came from because you guys don't belong here. I was like, I want to make sure you feel welcome, but I want to make sure you know I hate your football team. Chad was and the negotiator. You. He's like, hey, come on, sit down, is, grab a beer. Let's talk Which some is really funny. Because you would assume Chad would be the aggressor going, no, your football team sucks. And I'm usually, I think I'm usually the... The welcoming, Talk, the like, talkative one. Yeah, like everybody everybody needs to be involved and happy and whatnot. I was like, nah, uh You go back to, you know, that mountain, Boom. you mountain people. And so we had a lot of fun with some App State fans. Uh, they actually were pretty nice. We talked to them for a while. Pour one out for Dingus McGee's, favorite place on earth. Uh, pour one out for Dead Turtle Shots also. Don't even like them, but I am pouring one out for them. And I'm also cutting off Barner Twitter in honor of Matt and also in honor of uh, Rowdy Pod on Twitter. Um, come and check us out. We uh, we have a good time with fans going back and forth. Auburn fans have been terrible since this whole Hugh Freeze thing has come out. Pretty much all day um, at work, you know, had to find some free time to go back and forth. I've been going on and on and on with Auburn fans. I mean, it's nonstop. All the top Auburn accounts. Hugh Freeze, terrible hire. Can't believe this is happening. This is worse than Brian Harson. Why do we fire a guy for potentially having an affair with his wife to hire a guy that for sure had an affair with his wife, which I don't even think that's true. I think that was just from him calling, you know, whatever he was doing to get recruits. 
He was calling escorts. Yeah, and and I keep trying to tell people this. On his university phone. Yeah, which was which is super super dumb. Like he's he's a complete idiot for doing that. But in my opinion, Hugh Freeze, I think he did a lot of things he shouldn't have done, and I think he does a lot of things he regrets because of the pressure of being a guy from Oxford, Mississippi, coaching at Ole Miss, probably the school he grew up cheering for. He had to be successful. His entire life was going to be ruined if he was not successful at Ole Miss. And he was, even though he had everything that happened to him. Uh, they had the couple years of postseason bowl ban and all that. But he ended up being successful, which is why I think Hugh Freeze to Auburn's a good hire. Obviously, we talked about that for about nine hours earlier in the show. But Barner Twitter, they're losing their minds. They're they're calling for protest over outside of Tumor's Corner. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody scheduling a, a, a toilet paper throwing of the tree. Um, to to protest it, trying to pull a uh, was it, Shiano, Greg Shiano to Tennessee, Tennessee yeah. uh, when they hired Pruitt. You saw how that worked out. Greg Shiano would have been a way higher for Tennessee than Jeremy Pruitt. Um, so I'm I'm, I'm cutting off Auburn fans in general, to be honest. But Barner Twitter more than anything, y'all need to get yourself right. Be be uh, happy you got a coach that can win football games in the SEC. A guy that's proven as a program builder, and uh, you know just just I need better vibes from you guys. Keys, what about you? All right, so I'm going to be pouring one out for rushing the field with the last time you guys got to go rush the field. Actually, for App State, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was, okay. it was the first time we ever beat a ranked opponent in Paulson Stadium. When Which I went is to. amazing, and I wasn't there. And I was couldn't in the beer garden for that, for that one, too. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't be there and uh, really missed out, and I saw everybody's pictures, and I was really jealous. Um, but this time, got to rush the field. Awesome win. Had an awesome view for the final moments of the game. And we're some of the first ones on the field, man. That was it was awesome. It was exciting. Got to do all the the fun uh, post game ritual stuff, doing the alma mater with the team, with the band on the field. You know, band played neck. It was amazing. Uh, got to see the the marching band send off their seniors in the middle in their little ritual. Uh, so it was just a really great time. Really glad I got that chance to actually rush the field at Georgia Southern and against App State, like I wanted to the first time. So poor one out for rushing the field, and I am cutting off. Little brother campus culture uh, couldn't even get the Georgia Southern game Blue Room, which is kind of nuts. I forgot about that. They I almost are pouring one out for Blue Room too. I'm cutting off Blue. Yeah, Room. cutting off Blue Room. They're they're across the street, and part of it may be the subscription ESPN Plus, but I I call BS. If it had been anybody else, it'd have been on the TVs. All these uh, smaller little brother schools notorious for having the uh, in the other in state schools on the TVs, but sometimes not having their own games. Like for example, Georgia Southern. We got the Georgia game on the TV. You got every other game around the league. They had they had Texas A&M LSU on the TVs when I walked in there. And it was right as overtime was starting. They had USC on as well. Yeah. Right. So They had one TV with ESPN Plus on with the Georgia Southern game. Probably in the corner you yep. know, somewhere. I mean, you're never going to be that big brother team. I mean, let's just face it. At this current time, there's just no way that Georgia Southern is going to be the University of Georgia. There's no way. But you can help out and do your part by just putting the game on in the city. I mean, they're never going to be that same school, but you can do your best to make it seem like it is for the students, you know. We need to get that big brother attitude, kind of like the Georgia Southern Eagles going in against App State and pushing them around, not taking anything from them. They need to have that for the student body as well. And we're moving on to a couple picks. We got... Conference championship game starting off Friday night. We got the Pac-12 championship. Utah taking on USC. USC, I'm expecting to be ranked number four uh, come college football playoff rankings tomorrow. USC is a three and a half point favorite. I think they're playing for a spot in the playoff. I can't see them being left out 
for Ohio State or, or uh, Tennessee or Alabama at this point in the season. Um, so I, I think this is a de facto playoff game, uh, as we will not have anymore once we have a 12 team playoff, but, um, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I think that Caleb Williams has an opportunity to do what Bryce Young did last year, where he had his Heisman moment last week. He has his opportunity to solidify himself as a Heisman winner this weekend in the big 12 or in the PAC 12 championship game. Uh, Caleb Williams, Played phenomenal this past weekend. USC looked really good against the Notre Dame team that's been playing really well, plays really physical. USC was able to match their physicality in a lot of moments of that game. And I expect that this game is going to be a little bit different than the last time these two teams met. Utah is USC's one loss this year. It was a one-point loss, but that game was in Salt Lake City. This game is neutral site. I expect the USC fans are going to travel really well for this because there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot riding on the line for this. And I think that USC goes in and they, with revenge on the brain, Caleb Williams solidifies his Heisman run and winds up in New York as the Heisman winner next weekend. USC wins this game uh, by a touchdown. I'm going to start this off by saying uh, something I'm going to say a bunch throughout these picks. It is really hard to beat a team twice in a year. It is very hard to beat a team twice in a year, um, and I don't know if Utah can do it. I mean, look, Utah's a good football team. I think Cam Rising is a good quarterback. I think for Utah, there's a lot to play for, and I think a lot of people are going to sleep on the fact that Utah had had playoff expectations coming into the season, and they didn't match up to those. They ended up losing three games. So I think Utah is going to use that as a little bit of motivation coming into this game and do their best to try to keep USC out you know, with, an, with the attitude of if you, we can't make it, neither can you. Because USC has to win this game to get in. Um, but I just – I don't think Utah – I don't think Utah is going to be able to do what they did to USC last time. Um, Caleb Williams only needs 288 yards in this game to reach 4,000 on the season. He is the Heisman front runner at this point. USC – has that vibe right now of they're getting hot at the right time. Um, their offensive line was very impressive against Notre Dame last week, which is pretty big accomplishment considering that Notre Dame's probably the only other team comparable to Utah that USC has played all year up front because the rest of the Pac-12 is, is not very strong up front. Um, USC, I think, will win this game up front. I think they'll get revenge on Utah from that loss that they had earlier in the year in Salt Lake City. I mean, I'll just say one more thing. It, it would be absolutely amazing if Utah does the same thing they did last year when they beat Oregon in the regular season in Salt Lake City and then went to Las Vegas for the Pac-12 championship and did it again. That would be absolutely incredible, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think this uh, I think this USC team is better than that Oregon team was last year. And with Caleb Williams playing the way he's playing right now, I think USC is going to lock their playoff spot in and win this game by probably 10 when it's all said and done. With. I'm with you guys. I think on a neutral field, uh, USC is just a better football team. Um, I don't see Utah being able to do what they did against USC um, when they were in Salt Lake City. Uh, and they're just a better team. I mean, Caleb Williams is a great quarterback. Like you guys said, he's a Heisman front runner. Jordan Addison's been incredible. 
Um, Mario Williams as well. Both been really, really good guys. Uh, Kyle Ford, run game's been really solid. People don't talk as much about how well USC's played on the defensive line also. Um, after that Utah game, they really stepped it up. They've done a really good job of stopping the run. And, uh, and I think they'll do that again in this game. So I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to say USC. I'm going to say by a touchdown. Um, I think it could be more. Um, I could see them losing as well. I mean, Utah's a good football team. Kyle, uh, Kyle Willingham is a Whittingham is a good coach. But Lincoln Riley, uh, I think he's got these guys rolling. He's got more talent than, honestly, anybody else does in the Pac-12. And I, uh, I think they roll on into the playoff after this game. But for this next game, we got the Big 12 Championship uh, played in Jerry World as normal AT&T Stadium. Uh, Kansas State taking on TCU. TCU should be at that three spot come next week. TCU, two and a half point favorite. First time they played, TCU wins the game. Kansas State up the entire game um, until Kansas State's starting and second string quarterback both get hurt. TCU wins. Uh, TCU, like I said, two and a half point favorite in this game. Guys, what do you think? I'm going to go with Kansas State to pull the upset here. TCU been very much in a situation like Oklahoma State was last year. Uh, I think that TCU still could be in the playoff if they lose this game, but I'm going to go TCU. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas State pulling the upset, wins this game by four. Yeah, I'm actually going to have to agree with Matt. TCU had to come back to win the game last time, and they actually played Kansas State at home it's really hard i'm gonna say it again it's really hard to beat a team twice in a year and as much fun as tcu has been this year i think chaos ensues i think they lose this game i think kansas state will win this game by a touchdown but i think this is probably going to be the best game of the day but i'm going to roll with the wildcats and knock tcu out of the playoff i'm totally with you guys on this being the best game of the day kansas state tcu i think it's a really fun matchup um I think Kansas State, honestly, is a better football team than TCU. But TCU just has this way about them where they, they find a way to win games. And they've done it all season. Kansas State's lost some bad ones. They've let some teams play them close. Um, so I, I think TCU comes in here. I think they end up winning the game, and I think they end up making the playoff. Um, I think their luck's going to run out. I don't think they're going to be able to compete with Georgia or, or uh, Michigan. And uh, we'll talk about that once we get to that. But at this point, I think TCU pulls out a really, really, really tight win. Um, I think it's similar to the first game where they got to come back and make some special moves and do some stuff like that. So, Kyle Duggan or uh, Max Duggan and TCU get the dub. Go Horny Frogs. Now, on to the next game. We got the American Athletic Conference Championship, Tulane versus UCF. This game, de facto playoff game to get into the New Year's Six. Uh, first time they played, UCF knocked off Tulane. Tulane is a three and a half point favorite in this game. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think in all fairness, Tulane should be a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game, but I think it depends on what's going on at Tulane. There's a lot of rumors out there about Willie Fritz uh, potentially leaving and going to Georgia Tech. We've seen what that kind of effect has on teams that have a little bit of uncertainty with their head coaches. I'm one, I, if w- Without that going on, I'd pick Tulane, but I'm going to go UCF to actually beat Tulane again this time. John Reese Plumley. Played phenomenal last game. I expect him to do the same this week. Uh, former Ole Miss Rebel. Uh, great athletic quarterback. Gave Tulane fits. I think he does the same thing again here. And I think UCF pulls another win off against Tulane in the AAC Championship. I'm going to have to disagree with Matt on this one. Uh, once again, I'm going to say it for the third time. It is really hard to beat a team twice in a season. And I think it's going to happen for two of the three championship games 
this weekend um, and including this one. I think Tulane, even with the conversations about Willie Fritz going to Georgia Tech, I think Tulane has never had this kind of hype around their football program. Getting to the New Year's Six would be huge for them, as well as getting a conference championship, especially sending UCF out to the Big 12 on a bad note. I think they're going to play for their coach, send Willie Fritz to Atlanta with a win. Give me the green wave by three. Wit. Honestly, I think it comes down to the fact that Willie Fritz is going to go to Atlanta. I think I know that's not confirmed. Um, Torches are saying it could be Brent Key. Uh, other people are saying Jamie Chadwell is a big part of the hire as well. Um, but I think UCF's just a better football team. I think they match up well with Tulane. Um, I think with John Reese Plumley at quarterback, whether it's him or Max Brown, either way, both of those guys are playing really good football. They're really explosive on offense. Gus Malzahn this year has shown up in big games. Um, so I think UCF gets the win again. I think they go on to play in the New Year's Six game, and I think they're going to compete with whoever they end up playing, um, unless it's Alabama. And if it's Alabama, they're going to get destroyed. Uh, but anybody else, I could see them competing with. Anybody in the top ten as well. Um, so I'm going UCF. Moving on to the Big Ten Championship game, we got Purdue versus Michigan. Uh, this is the first time I've seen Purdue in the Big 12 Championship. Uh, I don't really remember them in the past. I mean, I'm, I'm, what am I, 26? I don't remember them ever being there before. Uh, Michigan, 16.5-point favorite. This one's interesting. Matt, what do you think? Hail to the victors. Michigan rolls easily over Purdue, in my opinion. I've, I've also never seen – I don't can't think of a time that I saw Purdue in the Big Ten Championship or a time that I cared. So, uh, uh, specifically about Purdue. Uh, no offense, Purdue. Good for you. Uh, shout out to them. Uh, I would love to see the unthinkable happen and Purdue pull this thing off. I just don't see it happening. Not this week. Not against Michigan uh, with the way that J.J. McCarthy's playing. Michigan rolls. Chad. Look, congratulations to Purdue on winning the Big Ten West. Uh, shout out to Jeff Brom. He's a very solid coach that a lot of people don't know about. Um, also, big shout out to Charlie Jones for Purdue. The man's got 1,200 yards receiving on the season his senior year. That's a hell of a year and a hell of a way to go out in the Big Ten championship game. Unfortunately, man, Michigan's just too good. They're just way too good. ESPN right now has got the matchup predictor giving Purdue an 11% chance. And if you want my honest opinion, that's 11% way too high. Uh, Michigan's going to cover. Purdue might play scrappy early and be happy to be there. I mean, it might be a little bit of a home field advantage for the fact that they're playing this game in Indianapolis and Purdue is from Indiana, but that'll fade quickly. Um, Purdue might be scrappy, but Michigan's just way too good. Like I said, Michigan's on a mission. Give me the Wolverines. What? Yeah, with you guys, I don't think this game's even going to be close. It, it honestly reminds me a lot of last year where Iowa just kind of backdoored their way into the Big Ten Championship. And uh, and Michigan just, at the end of the season, was playing way, way too strong. So um, they get the Ohio State win. They're going to get this one too. I think they win this game by like 30. Like, I don't think it's even close at all. So not even interested in it, to be honest. Uh, moving on to the ACC Championship. Clemson coming off the loss to South Carolina, the first one since uh, at least since uh, Steve Spurrier was there. And uh, North Carolina coming off their loss to NC State, uh, both losing to their biggest rivals. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite in the game. Winner is going to the Orange Bowl. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going to take Clemson in this game solely for the fact that I think they're the better of two very uh, slightly above average teams. I don't think either of these teams is a great team. I don't think either, but anybody in the ACC is great for that matter. Uh, I think that they are, it's a, it's a, there are a couple of very good teams 
uh, that would beat most, but not a lot of the the top talent in the in the league. Uh, give me Clemson to win it because I just haven't seen it from North Carolina this year. A lot of their wins that I've seen have been like they just haven't shown me a lot. Uh, I know the quarterback's gotten a lot of Heisman hype there at North Carolina. I just personally don't see them as being a real threat. Clemson, I think they cover. I think they win by at least 10. Yeah, Matt, that's a great point. These Both these teams are good teams that play in a very weak conference, and they're not that much higher than being an above-average team. Um, also, by the way, side note, shout-out to me because I'm the only one who picked South Carolina to beat Clemson last week. Um, but I actually am going to go go against Clemson again this week. Look, I think the difference in this game is quarterback. Look, DJ Uyunglele, he's shown flashes this year of being like, okay, yeah, maybe finally we'll get it straight. But then he does DJ Uyunglele things. And I think Drake May is a better quarterback. Drake May actually protects the ball. He's only got five interceptions, and he's a redshirt freshman. Kid's really good. Um, I don't think this is going to – I think this is going to be more of an exciting game than people think it's going to be. It actually may be well worth watching um, in the lesser of two evils to watch at the in the 8 o'clock slot versus the Big Ten championship game. But, yeah, two very disappointing teams in the ACC championship this year. And I'm going to ride with North Carolina. Like I said, quarterback play. Drake May versus DJU. I'm going to take Drake May. With- I agree. Drake May is absolutely a better quarterback. DJ is not good at all. Um, I would love to see. Cade Klubnick get a little playing time towards the end of the year because um, I think going into next year he could be a lot better. But I think this is a really, really close game, but I do think Clemson wins. I think they have too much experience, too much talent uh, to lose to a team like UNC who is just not playing good down the stretch at all. So I'm going Clemson. I think it's going to be close. I think UNC will cover the 7.5, but Clemson will win the game. They're going to go on and play in the Orange Bowl, and I would love to see them play Alabama. I think that would just be a fun matchup to see in a New Year's Six game. Moving on to our SEC championship. This one uh, kind of took a step back from being kind of, you know, pretty interesting, and now it's not as interesting. LSU with the loss to Texas A&M last weekend. Georgia rolling in, kind of struggled with Georgia Tech early on, ended up blowing them out. Georgia's a 17.5-point favorite. Obviously, the game's in Atlanta like it always is. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Georgia's not going to lose this game, even relatively. Jaden Daniels is probably not going to play. He's got a high ankle sprain. Even if he plays, he's not going to be 100%. That takes the element of LSU's offense that makes them a threat out of it, which is a dual-threat quarterback. Jaden Daniels was the key to them beating Alabama. Jaden Daniels not being healthy against an elite Georgia defense means that this game is going to get ugly, ugly fast. 38-3, Georgia wins. Yeah, unfortunately, the A&M game completely took the wind out of the LSU sails. I, I, I don't doubt that LSU will come in and throw the kitchen sink at Georgia, especially now that they have nothing to play for other than a trip to the Sugar Bowl. But, man, let, let's get real. If Jaden Daniels isn't healthy, there's there's not a lot that this LSU offense has to offer. And he is the key component to running that offense and running it smoothly. Georgia's defense is way too good. Georgia – if they somehow were to lose this game, they're still in the playoffs. So like, but I don't think Kirby Smart's the kind of guy who's going to let his team sleep on that notion. I think Georgia winning the national championship last year but not having that SEC championship feather in their cap kind of bothers them a little bit. I know the national championship is the ultimate goal, but I don't think Kirby Smart's going to allow his team to go to the playoff without the SEC title again this year. I just don't see it. Georgia and Georgia big with 
Yeah, I think the fact that Kirby Smart is one in three, I believe, in SEC championship games um, is going to play a big factor here because I think he's going to want to come in and win this game. I think this is a really important one to him. So I think Georgia wins really big. Um, and I honestly, I think if you asked an LSU fan at the beginning of the season if they would take being nine and three and Brian Kelly's first year with a win over Alabama and get to play Georgia in the SEC championship game, even if they get stomped on, would they take that? I think they'd say yes, 100 times out of 100. So I think LSU leaves this game, you know, maybe a little disappointed because they lost, but I think they're going to be happy with how they played. Um, and I think they're going to play tough early on, even without Jalen Daniels. But the, uh, I think the dogs are just going to roll in this one. Um, I don't really think Georgia has too much to worry about up until potentially seeing Michigan um, or if they end up with Ohio State in the in the uh, semifinal. So uh, dogs roll. I think they cover 17 and a half. I don't think that's even close to enough. I'm going to say Georgia by 24 to 30. Thank you guys so much for tuning into Rowdy Southern Saturday. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Music and follow our social media at RowdyPod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.